Thoughtful Connections, a memory care podcast, aims to provide general information and insights about dementia and related topics. The content shared is not intended to be medical advice or a substitute for professional medical or clinical guidance. The purpose or goal of this podcast series is to help inform and educate family members considering memory care for a loved one. With us, as always, is Elizabeth Thompson, Arrow Senior Living Regional Director of Memory Care. Welcome. I'm Charlie Johnson, your host. Uh, greetings, Elizabeth. How are you today? I am doing well. How are you, well, Charlie? I am just fantastic. Good. <laughs> well, in this session, uh, we're going to discuss a topic uh, that's not specific to dementia. Uh, would you agree to that? Correct. <laughs> it certainly relates, though, as we strive to support and inform our dementia family listeners. Our charge today is to explain code status. Okay. So Elizabeth, why does anyone need to know this information and what difference does it really make? Well, it's important to know this information um, because it's your life. And um, all of us need to understand what code status is. The biggest reason that I wanted to do this podcast is because I had a situation where um, a, a couple was living in our memory care neighborhood and uh, the wife had dementia, the husband did not, but he wanted to live there with her. And when someone moves in, you know, we have them sign a, a DNR or full code. What, what, do you, what are your wishes? And he had signed full code that he wanted to be, or that he wanted his wife to be full code. And as her disease progressed um, and, and she was declining, um, he would frequently say, she's just so ready to be with the Lord. She's just so ready to be with the Lord. And I said, I, I have a question for you because your chart and in, in your wife's chart, it says that she's full code. Um, do you understand what that means? And, and he, he was like, well, just full care. And I said, no, full code means if she passes, if her heart stops beating, we are going to start compressions, chest compressions, doing CPR to revive her. He was like, no. And I was like, okay, that's what I thought by just some of the things that you were saying. But I, I mean, we need to change this in documentation right away so that, that that doesn't happen because we will do everything to revive her and bring her back to life. Um, and I think a lot of people have misconceptions about what code status is. And it's important for us to know individually what do we want and make that known to our physicians, our family members, so that we don't wait for a crisis Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so is it safe to say that code status refers to the level of medical interve- intervention that, that a person wishes to receive during a life-threatening emergency? Would that be a Correct. good description? Yes. And if you think about it, none of us know when that life-threatening emergency is going to happen. I mean, life is fragile. It's precious. Uh, it, it could be, you know, I could have an aneurysm sitting right here talking to you. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I I'm a DNR, just so you're aware, Charlie. Okay, all right, DNR, and we're gonna to get to that because that is an abbreviation for one of the statuses, right? Yes. It is, and and we, everyone should know what, what their status is and should have a status. Yes. Okay, now it's good that I know what yours is. It's good that I know that. So 
And it always refers to the context of medical care, right? Correct. Coach status does, mm -hmm. okay. And it's only medical care, right? Correct. All right. So um, what is the scenario if there's a life-threatening uh, medical emergency and the individual uh, has not designated a code status? So a, a couple of things there. If the person um, is conscious and, ability, and has the ability to tell the physician at that point in time, I, I want you to do everything in your power to revive me, to bring me back to life if something happens, great, we, we know what they need. However, in most cases, when there is something, a critical emergency, um, a catastrophe, a crisis, that person is incapacitated and can't make that decision for themselves. So then they're going to ask the family. And at that point in time, we don't always make the best choice when we're under stress, when we're in a crisis situation. Um, a lot of times we will be thinking what we want not what the individual who is in the crisis wants. Um, and so it's always better to plan ahead and know this information before anything ever happens. Um, <clears throat> you know, if I was 30 or 40, I may say that I would want to be full code because if something happened to me, I still have a lot of life left. But as I get older, I'm like, well, if something happens. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're ready. I'm good to go. <laughs> you're good. You've led a great life. And, <laughs> I'm good and to go. <laughs> you, you've done enough. You're ready to get out of the way, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. So, um, and, and, if the, and then the other situation is if the family isn't agreeable, if maybe um, it, it's a, a brother and a sister at the hospital with dad and brother says full code and sister says DNR, um, and they cannot make a decision, then, then the hospital will try and appoint a guardian to make that decision. It's just, a, a, it can be very, very messy. Yeah, and, and I can, can tell you from, from my personal experience, uh, both with, with my, my folks, uh, but most recently with my brother, um, that, you know, that I was in the situation that, that, that I had to make, you know, literally life and death decisions on behalf of my brother. And I can tell you, it is not uh, a pleasant mm -mm. situation to be in. And, and again, you know, uh, and I'm glad you said this because it's not what I want. It's what, knowing him for as long as I did, and we were very close, it's what would he want? Right. What would he want to do, you know? And, and, and I was making decisions based on his beliefs and all the things that we had talked about and done together and things that we had said and, and done over the years, it, this is the way he would want it. Mm -hmm. And so that was how I based my, my decisions on his behalf. But certainly <laughs> it would have been much easier uh, if, if we uh, had in writing, you know, exactly, you know, how he wanted it and, and what to do and not to do. And so that brings us uh, to the next point. I want to talk about the different code statuses. Now we've mentioned a couple of them mm -hmm. already, but I want, I want to talk about, I want to mention each one and I want you to explain each of the statuses. So, sure. so let's start with full code. Tell me what does full code entail? Full code means if my heart stops beating 
or I am unable to breathe, every effort is going to be exhausted to help my heart start beating again and me start breathing. Whether it is CPR or a defibrillator where they shock you, um, uh, epinephrine or some people call adrenaline um, medication. Um, and if I'm not able to breathe, it would be intubation where they put a tube down your throat through to your lungs and then connect a machine to it so the machine is, is helping you breathe. Um, so all of those efforts would go into place if I was a full coat. And this is probably the one that, that people are most familiar with because they, they see it on TV, don't they? Yes. Yeah, this is the one that, you know, when they, they, the big emergency, you know, uh, on the hospital shows and folks are in code, you know, and everyone scrambles, scrambles and runs and, and, runs and, and the they, hot doctor comes in. Oh, and yes. <laughs> oh, yes. And, and they're giving this shot and that shot and they're, and they're doing chest compressions and they're doing, again, everything they can, yeah. you know, to, to save that individual. Mm -hmm. And so that, that would be full code. Correct. Right. Now. You have mentioned DNR, yes. okay, which is an abbreviation for do not resuscitate. Correct. Okay. Talk about that. So that would be CPR, a defibri defibrillator, or that the medication um, epinephrine to help the heart start beating. Um, do not resuscitate. I, I think it's important for us to understand that this is a very individual um, decision. What works for one person may not work for somebody else. And, and it's, it's hard for me sometimes because it's human nature to be somewhat judgmental and have form an opinion, but I, I can't do that because it is very individual. Um, however, I think that it is important that we know what does that look like. So, in reality, um, chest compressions, if done correctly, will break ribs, okay? So if chest compression CPR is done correctly, there will be broken ribs, bruising, and pain. If a defibr defibrillator is used, that's a shock. There is going to be pain. Sometimes it can even cause some burns. Um, CPR sometimes can take 30 minutes or more. So it's not just this pretty picture of the ER doctor, you know, who's handsome coming in and shocking and, oh, we're back to life. The other side of that is our, our brains need our hearts to work in order to function. So if, I, if my heart stops beating, my heart is not giving the nutrients, the blood flow, the oxygen to my brain. So nerve cells are going to die, which we talked about in another podcast when we talked about uh, vascular dementia, people who have strokes and high blood pressure and things like that. So there's going to be damage to my brain if I go without oxygen to my brain for any amount of time. So these are all things that we have to think about um, in, in, in relation to do I want to be resuscitated or do I want to die naturally? Okay, okay. And the next one, um, comfort measures only. So it's important for families to know, people to know, that if you 
elect to be a DNR or a DNI, um, that doesn't mean they're not going to care for you. That doesn't mean they're going to say, let her die, you know, let her have pain. That's not the case at all. If you are a DNR, they aren't going to go to those extreme measures to bring you back to life. However, they will provide comfort care. If you're having pain, they're going to make sure you don't have pain. As in give you pain medicine. Medicine, medicine yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. All right. And what are some other examples of, of comfort measure, other examples of um, comfort? Comfort measures like hospice would provide. Sometimes that's a chaplain, a social worker, um, massage, uh, essential oils, uh, medication. Um, literally comfort. Literally comfort, music therapy. Um, to, to make that individual as comfortable as, comfortable as possible as at possible. the end of life. Yes, absolutely. All right. So, so really the, there are three uh, different code statuses and and uh, for individuals to choose from yes and i don't think we talked about dni no i don't i i i i skipped that one. <laughs> oh, you you're a sharp cookie today i did skip that uh, do not intubate yes do not intubate uh, talk to me about dni okay so a lot of times dnr and dni go together but um you may elect to keep them separate. Maybe you want to have CPR performed on you, but you don't want to be intubated, okay? What happens when we intubate someone? So when that is needed, it's because you can't breathe. For whatever reason, you you are not able to breathe. Um, In order to place the tube down the the throat to the lungs, we have to give that person medication that sedates them, okay? Because it's not a comfortable process. Then they give a med, once the person is comfortable and relaxed, they give the person medication that paralyzes them temporarily. Their vocal cords and their throat and their gag reflex, that's all paralyzed. So that they can put this in without hurting the person, causing a lot of stress. The person who is intubated or on a ventilator, which is helping them breathe, has to stay sedated the entire time that they have that because it is not comfortable. So while that person is intubated, it's not like this magic, oh, we've intubated them, they're back to life, they're gonna have a conversation with us. They are sedated, they are not able to communicate or or talk until that is removed. And I know that this was a fairly common thing that we saw during COVID. Yes. A lot of folks uh, were intubated uh, during COVID because yes. of uh, uh, their issues with breathing. Yes. I think this uh, was brought to light. I think a lot of folks were uh, introduced to, to intubation that, that hadn't been before. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. And, and trust me, uh, it is not a pleasant sight to see no. being done uh, either going in or coming out no that no. is uh, not not pleasant at all all right so here, here are some things uh, I'd like like for us to talk about at, at what point do we or should we make the decision regarding code status now today anytime if you're over 18 know what you want okay all right so, so some things that, that we should consider uh, as we are making our decision about the different code statuses. What are some things that we should consider 
as far as which one we should choose. Which one is the right one for us? And again, that is a very individual um, decision. Um, you know, you can also talk to your doctor about what's going on with you. If you have a terminal illness that is not curable, what would be the benefits of, of being full code? Would it give you quality or quantity? Um, and those are things to discuss when, you know, this podcast is basically for people um, who know someone, love someone or have dementia themselves. When we're talking about dementia, it's a it's a chronic disease. It's terminal. It's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. And when there is a lack of oxygen to the brain, uh, meaning the heart stops or the person is unable to breathe, um, there's going to be a significant decline again. So what, what does that look like for, for your person? Um, you know, maybe they had early stage dementia, um, you know, not as cognitively impaired as someone in mid to late, but once they've had an, an episode where their heart has stopped beating or they weren't able to breathe and we do CPR, intubate, whatever's necessary, that time that they did not have oxygen um, and blood flowing through to their brain, there was more damage that, that's going to take place. So they're definitely not going to be the same as their baseline was after so sure so so you mentioned uh, you know the importance of of talking with their healthcare team mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and talking about that i think i also i don't think you said it directly but i think you also implied maybe the importance of considering changing uh, their code status as needed and reviewing yeah. that is uh, did i did i pick that up in what you said Yes, I don't know if I said that directly, but, uh, but yes, but I think that's absolutely. what you were getting at is yeah. that, you know, if, if there was a change, you know, maybe maybe they just had, you know, the, the early you know, onset of, of Alzheimer's and then if there was something that happened, you know, if there was a change, you know, if there was uh, with that Alzheimer's or as it progresses, maybe the code status needs to be updated and changed as well. Yes. And, and you can do that at any time. You can change your mind. You mm-hmm. just need to make it known to the people that matter. Right. Now, and also I think you mentioned early on that, that anyone that comes into memory care, mm-hmm. uh, they, they have to select a, a coach status. Correct. Okay. And, and that is something that is reviewed with the family per- periodically? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. So what final comments uh, would you like to make regarding code status today? I think that it's just something that we need to really think about. I mean, we don't like to think about end of life and death and, and, and what that looks like, but but we need to know, and we need to know before the crisis happens. Um, you don't ever want to be in a situation where you're having to make that big of a decision when you're under duress and stress. Um, and, and so make that decision now. If you change your mind later, that's fine. but. Um, let people know what your wishes are. Yeah, make it easy on yourself and your family. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Well, Elizabeth, thank you for providing us information about code status. And I am certain that we are leaving many listeners with a lot to consider today. Yes. 
And thank you all for sharing your time with us. At Aero Senior Living, we believe in the power of a chuckle, maintaining a childlike sense of wonder, and defending the dignity of others. Until next time, this is Charlie Johnson with Aero's Thoughtful Connections, a memory care podcast, wishing you fond memories filled with moments of joy. And remember, if you've met one person with dementia, you've met one person with dementia. You can find Thoughtful Connections, a memory care podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts.